Howdy, everyone. Welcome to Coffee Break on Unsafe Space. Today is, I don't even know, Monday, February 8th, 2021. I'm Carter Laren, and I'm joined, as usual, by Carrie Smith. Hello, Carter. How you doing? I'm good. I'm going to do the opening next time, because you seem tired. I'm kind of just <laughs> in a, like, I'm in a funk right now. I'm sorry, guys. I'm just in a funk. Um... I don't know. I don't know what it is exactly, but uh, it's okay. I'll be more peppy. Hi, it's Coffee Break. Welcome to Unsafe Space. Yeah, don't forget to like, share, and subscribe if you like boring intros and depressing openings. Uh, we're the channel for you. Also, uh, we are doing book club on February twenty first, not the twentieth. Twenty first. Uh, which is Thought Criminal by Michael Rechtenwald, which Carrie's going to hold in front of the camera right now. No? February she was 21st. About there we go. She's holding it in front of the camera. Um, what else? Someone says, take off the tie, Carter. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, was, I, was, I didn't have a tie on Friday. It was, it was a, an odd move for me, but... It's a very nice tie. It's, it's you loosened. look very nice. It's, the, the top button is unbuttoned. Uh, Azor, it's it's not actually hey, that tight. Look at this. We didn't even plan this. Look, uh, my hair bows match your tie, so we're. Oh, look at that. It. Yeah. Yeah. So we're in sync somehow in a hippie vibe way. Um, I know. I know you're tired. And it's fine. It's, I mean, I'm not. I'm not like depressed. I'm just low energy right now. I feel like Jeb Bush. <laughs> well. <laughs> Let's get into some uh, fun, <laughs> riveting discussion about, well, last night, first of all, I want to thank everyone who came out to our, we had our first ever speakeasy, we called it a speakeasy, for our subscribers, and we've, we've never done any exclusive things before, uh, so this was that we, we're trying it out, we, we want to thank the people who are able to support uh, Unsafe Space financially. And we wanted to do something that just felt like a, a get-together party, although we ended up talking about a lot of serious stuff. But uh, we, <laughs> I was like, this is not enough frivolity on this speakeasy. But uh, we, we, it was sort of like a book club where people can join and we all just hang out, except we're not talking about a book. And so we did the first one last night, and I wanted to thank everyone who came. It was fun. And we did it during the Super Bowl because nobody – at unsafe space recognized that it was the super bowl when we scheduled it and people still came and then afterwards i caught up about the super bowl so i didn't do that really too much even but uh people are are now i'm being mocked for saying please clap i'm not that bad of, i don't feel that <laughs> much like jeb bush i'm just a little bit low energy you never let your friends go full jeb bush uh what is it no never never go full jeb bush that's a better yeah. quote uh so, um, yeah, the Super Bowl apparently um, was racist, which we can talk about. Uh, I don't know oh. if you know. Do you realize how racist it was, Carrie? Was it? Why? Oh, Carrie. Uh, we probably well. caught up on different thing, different outrages. Because <laughs> I didn't hear any of the Tom Brady outrage. You said you did. I didn't hear any of that. But I heard outrage from the woke about some of the commercials, which is funny. Oh, well, I, I, I do want to hear about that. Um, okay. By the way, Marie Buskey says she's going to send me more hokey pokies. You know what? That will always help me, Marie. Um, so, yeah. Okay. Let's see if I can. Let me pull this up. Uh, <laughs> this is a 
This is an article from uh, Paul Joseph Watson's website here. Uh, wait, let me. I'm going to have to full screen it here. Hold on. There you go. Here's here's just a bunch of tweets uh, about. So Tom Brady was on the. Just in case you were not watching the sports ball yesterday, Tom Brady was on the winning side. He is, uh, I think, the most winningest quarterback in the NFL. I think this is his seventh Super Bowl, vi- Bowl victory. He also, just so you know, is a white guy. Not that oh, that usually gosh. matters, but it, it matters nowadays. Uh, <laughs> oh my and, goodness! Um, and well, and he previously had uh, during Trump's first uh, campaign, I think he had a MAGA hat and has kind of sort of distanced himself, distanced himself from that a little bit, but uh, I guess not enough, which we can talk about also. But here's the reaction: um, these are all tweets from these are all normies, but they're all they're all complaining that it was racist that he won. Hmm, just thinking Why? how Tom Brady has gotten all his rings during Black History Month. Some to think about. Seems very racist to me, does it? <laughs> does that seem racist to you, Matthew? Why? Um, Josh thinks thinks it feels it feels racist to Josh because because <laughs> Black History Month was during Black History Month. Uh, oops. <laughs> um, let's see. Uh, Isaiah, uh, he feels like it's racist also. Uh, J- Jam Runtz, Jam Runtz says uh, there's something racist about it. Yeah, something wait, racist wait, about a white man winning the Super Bowl. Wait, uh, wait, by wait, the way, wait. I don't think he won it single-handedly. I believe there were, as they would say, linebackers of color wait, hold on, on the team. But He says there's something racist about Tom Brady, a white man, winning the Super Bowl <laughs> right. every year during Black History Month. Is there? What is ra- – see, this is <laughs> – it's funny that you said, go ahead, let's read the next one. Tom Brady winning all these Super Bowls during Black History Month. Kind of racist. Kind of racist. He surpassed uh, Michael Jordan in the number of championships during Black History Month. I don't care because that's got to be racist. It's got to be racist. How could he be yeah, better than a black man at anything? It's got to be racist. Uh, he beat uh, Muhammad. I don't know who that is. The other guy, I guess. On Black History Month, effing racist. Mm-hmm. And here's another one. Tom Brady, racist. He's a racist asshole for winning. He stole. He stole the win from a black man during Black History Month. Now he's a thief. I got the next one. Brady winning Super Bowls during Black History Month every effing year is the third most rate, the third most racist thing to ever happen in history. Uh, Here's another one. Brady beating them on Black History. By the way, the first most racist one was Taylor Swift winning that Grammy. But that's a separate issue. Is that what he said? No, I'm just Uh, making that. Brady beating them on Black History Month just feels a little racist to me, question mark. And then uh, here's another Tom Brady winning during Black History Month is so racist. Here's another one. Ain't no way Tom Brady winning seven Super Bowls during Black History Month ain't racist. And then here's low-key racist, how Brady won a Super Bowl during Black History Month. Here's here's another one. Something about Tom Brady winning a Super Bowl during Black History Month just feels racist. Oh, my gosh. This goes on and on and on. This goes on and on, Carrie. I mean, Wait, you, let's you, stop. yeah, there's too many of these. Yeah. There's more. But yeah, we I, can we can stop. It goes on and on. Here's something interesting. You say that these are normies. And the weird thing is that the, because the social justice ideology has become so culturally dominant, become so mainstream, especially in the past year, it's really been ramping up for about five years really ramping up for five years. But the past year, it went, it went mainstream. It became corporatized. All the major corporations started speaking it in June, July. It's everywhere you go now. McDonald's speaks it. All the commercials speak it. You know, um, Because of that, when it trickles down to normies, when it trickles down to morons and children, 
um, then you can he- you can hear what it, out of the mouth of babes you can hear what it actually is because then it gets distilled down into its essence and it and you strip away all the pseudo academic veneer all the pseudo academic jargon that gives it some kind of credibility and then out of the mouths of idiots and children you hear what it really is and so the, my point is all of these normies are saying the same thing. And they're all distilling it down to how, how dumb it really is, which is to look at some, the color of someone's skin, which is a super racist thing to do, by the way. They are racist. This belief system is racist, hands down, period, no buts and or ifs. It's a race. Social justice is a racist belief system. But they look at his race and say, oh, he's a white guy. And it's Black History Month. It makes sense now for me to call this a racist thing that he his team won. What? It's so dumb, but that's what it is at its essence. Here, you get to see this in action. I'm really glad you pulled this up because we can get to see. Here's what it, here's out of the mouth of morons what this social justice belief system is. Yeah, someone in chat is saying, are you sure these tweets aren't sarcasm? I mean, maybe a couple of them are, but no, they're not sarcasm in general. There's even an opinion piece in the USA Today that is non-sarcastic about how Tom Brady is is a horrible white supremacist because he has white privilege because he's not speaking about race. It's just, you know, it, this stuff is um like you said, there's some advantage to having it trickle down to the morons because they can only really they they can't hide, they don't know how to wrap the package up very right. nicely. It's a turd. Right. And the academics learn about like fancy wrapping paper procedure around the turd so that it looks like a beautiful present when you present it. And like the morons are just like, I have a turd. <laughs> right. And so people can kind of see like, oh, yeah, that's kind of a turd. Yes, um, and, and children come home from school having learned this and they speak truth about what it is. They, and they, right. tell you, they tell you what the turd is. They're like, what did you learn in school today? I learned that white people are bad. Really? <laughs> Right. That's what you learn because that's what this belief system says. Um, I do want to say right. hello. We have a new person in the chat whose name is Normie. I just saw it. It made me laugh. <laughs> Sorry, Normie. I didn't mean Normie to pick the on you. Navi. By the way, I love Normies. Usually, I don't. I wouldn't even really call these people Normies. Normies. Normies aren't even commenting on any of this. Normies are people no, like my I, friend. I who, they're not even engaged. They're just living their lives. These are these are sheep. These are not Normies. Actually, these are more like they're they're plugged in. They're plugged in enough to have whatever the social justice uh, uh, ideology is, whatever it's saying about current events trickle down to them and then it comes out of their mouth. And maybe it's more accurate to call them NPCs, but. I, I don't know, I don't, I don't, you and I might disagree on this. I think normies are NPCs I don't. to a large extent. Um, no, no I, don't, I know. I don't think there's much of a difference. No, I know, uh, I know. yeah, we disagree. That's just a disagreement, yeah. Uh, but you know what, I was, I was thinking about this and, um, okay, so we can look at this and we can say the obvious things. <laughs> it's racist, blah blah blah. Yeah, like we said, all the obvious things. Here's the turd, right? Um, but you know, I was one of the conversations we were having yesterday was about, uh, and I can't remember actually if it was during the speakeasy or after the speakeasy when I was talking to Jason and Beverly uh, separately. But one of the conversations we were having is about helping people to understand how to dissect this themselves, not just dissecting it for you, not just saying like, here, look, it's racist, this is why it's racist, but to help you like see for yourself what's going on here. When you see something like this and you wonder, why are all these people saying this? Like, what, what's, the, what's going on here? Because it feels wrong that people are 
it might just feel wrong to you that people are calling it racist without really being able to articulate why. Um, and one of the things that I think is pretty helpful is to to stop and and try and put yourself in the mindset of the person tweeting this and think to yourself, what worldview would have to be true? What premises would I have to adopt for this to make sense? Because as you know, we've talked about Jonathan Haidt a lot. You've talked about Righteous Mind a lot, Carrie, uh, the book uh, on this show. And yes, people are led by their elephants. But it's very rare that people allow their elephants to rampage without the cover of of an excuse that they've used their reasoning mind to come up with. Like, usually they have a rationalization to, quote, legitimize whatever their elephant's wanting. It's rare that they just, the elephant stomps around the forest. The el- Again, people who haven't heard this analogy, but the elephant being kind of your emotional drivers um, and and the rider being kind of the reason. Usually, yeah, the elephant might be rampaging around, but someone, you've usually, you've usually got the rider bought in. Um, and so there's some kind of justification for this. So you can imagine, okay, if the rider's bought in, what does the rider have to believe here? What is the, what is the premise that you have to believe um, in order to look at this and look at a white quarterback winning the Super Bowl? It, by the way, in a league that's 70% African-American as... Azor pointed out in a super chat earlier. Um, what do you have to what do you have to believe to look at it and seriously think that there's a racism problem happening because it's either because it's happening during Black History Month or because the opposing quarterback was black or you know for whatever reason. And I think the answer here is uh, this is what equity looks like. This is this is what this is what the result of equity looks like. Equity. Yeah, there's meanings. If you look up equity in the dictionary, it actually doesn't mean this. So I'm not saying this is what it means in the dictionary, but if you see how it's used and how the cathedral uses the word equity and how it trickles down to people who don't understand all the words, but they're getting the sentiment. One of the one of the purposes of the cathedral is to get people to accept unquestioned some premises about the world that are just unquestioned. They haven't thought about. They just get ingrained. This is an unquestioned premise I have about how the world works. And... The purpose of talking about equity is to have the, the unquestioned premise be wherever there is um, disparity between two people of different races or two groups or whatever, that disparity is injustice. That's what It's they injustice. Yeah. Whatever it is, if it's a if it's a race-based disparity, it's systemic racism. If it's a sex-based disparity, it's systemic. It's the patriarchy. But whatever it is that the the different outcomes is inherently unjust. So to look at this Super Bowl outcome and to say, well, I wanted the black guy to win. Let's assume that they wanted the black guy to win, not the white guy for some reason. Um, and they're going to look at it and go, well, the fact that the white guy won and not the black guy must be unjust it must be unjust that's the premise that i've accepted it must be unjust because all differences are unjust and now i have to just figure out why and i think actually one of the rationalizations is well it's during black history month that seems like a rationalization right like it's we're supposed to be celebrating black people and the white person won so that's why it's it's unjust it's black history month this is the problem um and obviously there's no reason to that thought it's not a rational explanation but it is a rationalization for what it is. And 
or for, for how they feel about it. So the, it's the, the danger isn't that you have normies running around spouting social justice ideology because not. they understand social justice ideology. It's that they run around accepting the premises of social justice ideology and then presenting turds <laughs> whenever they try and apply those premises. I would like to interject here because this actually is really important Please. to me. They are not normies. They are NPCs. And we can have that argument if you yes, want Yes, we can have that argument because I don't like making normies feel like they're part of wokeness. They're not. That most of the normies I know, look, we have a super chat I would like to read. This is from uh, uh, Mephisto Zark says, thank you, sir. Gives us a super chat and says, normies are the lifeblood of Western civilization. They work long hours, 12 to 16 hour days. They come home and fall asleep watching Netflix. They do not engage with this type of social media behavior. That's exactly right. And the normies that I know, and I'm, I wanted to clarify this because I, I did, because you used that word early and I, I just used it without really thinking about it. But that's not what I mean when I've used that word in the past. In fact, one of my best friends and my housemates a normie she doesn't participate in this she wouldn't even know this is happening she's she's got a life and a job and she doesn't participate in she doesn't these are not these are not normies these are people who have been activated by social justice ideology they're like the non-player characters in video games and they're going around spitting out wokeness normies are like the people in the alabama song like you work uh uh, uh what's oh gosh we're, uh, send it on down the line you know the still plant song Work a forty-hour week for a living. Okay. Okay. Well, that's normies. <laughs> anyway. Okay. I, I I still disagree, but okay. um, I I don't disagree that that those are normies. Like what you described, it like and what Mestifo um, describes are normies. That is correct. Those are normies. Um, however, uh, I just wanted you to know what I mean when I use that term. I don't. I, mean I understand. Yeah. I understand. But um, normies send their kids to public school and don't think about it. True. And normies, being in the problem with being a normie is that you have decided that you can separate yourself from the forces at work in the world and that they won't have an effect on you and your children. And that's not true. You can behave like a normie all you want, but your kids get indoctrinated in school. You will learn to accept premises unquestioningly just because you haven't been thinking about it. It's your responsibility to use your reasoning mind and think about what matters and push back on things. So I don't, I, the, the idea that you, that, oh, they're just normies. Some normies are not NPCs. So I, I do agree they're not necessarily NPCs and normies aren't the same thing. Some normies aren't NPCs. Some normies have been getting away with it still. They're going to work. Maybe they're working on. They're not. They're working their 40 hours. They're doing whatever. And for some reason, they're not engaged enough at all with the outside world that they've been really that affected by it. There are normies like that. But there are a hell of a lot of normies, especially in, in larger cities, whose social circles and uh and professional circles are surrounded by um priests and priestesses of woke ideology and they have accepted these premises and they have become npcs and i still call them normies because they're not actively thinking about stuff they're act they're not trying to be activists they've just accepted the premise by osmosis 
because that's what they're around. And there aren't armies who have who aren't around stuff that's high enough concentrated that they've accepted those premises. And if you are a normie who's aware of this stuff and has put up a roadblock and said, uh-uh, when I hear about this stuff, I see through it, you're not a normie anymore. You see through it. That makes you not a normie. Right. right. I don't disagree on that. I just disagree. Never mind. I just disagree. Normies are not NPCs. In my, when I use that word, I don't want anyone to think I mean that. They're not people running around spitting out social justice stuff. That's for sure. They do, I view NPCs as a in. subset of normies. Okay. Well, here's the... That's the difference. I, and we don't Beverly, have to agree on it. Just, Beverly, but. if you're watching, please, in the show notes, I would like to put... I would like to submit the link to Alabama's song, 40 Hour Week. <laughs> <laughs> Which is a great song. And I don't know if you know who does the show notes, Carrie, but you should submit that to me. Okay, uh, Carter. <laughs> and I also, you should listen to the song. It's good. Uh, and, and it's a good segue because one of the commercials, the two of the commercials that the woke got upset about, which is kind of funny because, first of all, I was hearing from the wrong thinker community that that uh, the ads were super woke this year, which I believe we did a, we did a good, I didn't see any of them. We did an episode two years ago. Oh my gosh. I went and looked at how old it was. It's two years ago. We did an episode called woke ads and it's very relevant and you should go watch it now. But I now two years later, of course they're going to be even more woke. Right. So I did, I, I, that's what I first heard. And I was like, yeah, of course I expect them to be super woke. But then I heard, and this surprised me. Then I heard the woke were angry at the ads. How could they be angry at the ads? Aren't the ads woke enough for them? So two of the ads in particular that really burned their biscuits were one was the Dolly Parton ad, <laughs> which <laughs> don't dare go in on Dolly. This is why this is relevant because the Alabama song also makes me think of, of these two ads. So Dolly did an ad. Uh, I sent you the link. Let's see if we can open that just to see what they're mad about. And then they also got mad at the they also got mad at the Jeep ad, uh, which was sort of a, a, a play for unity. Well, I, they were just mad at Jeeps generally, I assume, right? Well, no, because the ad was talking about middle America, and it showed a cross, and it showed an American oh, flag, that. and it talked about unity. And it they said, I yeah, it's it's they're they're enraged because the first link I sent you was to the Blaze. It says uh, leftist blast Dolly Parton's five to five to nine Super Bowl ad that celebrates working for your dreams <laughs> wait what yes yes oh because you're not supposed to work yes okay oh yeah that makes sense why would you have to work for your dreams right so one of the many super bowl commercials making headlines the day after the big game features country music legend dolly parton turning her iconic song nine to five on its head by celebrating the grit and determination of entrepreneurship as folks out there are quote Working, 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 working five to nine until their dreams come true. Um, and then they show they they have a link to the commercial. Um, right. And then oh, can we read read more? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Keep uh, going. Okay, so fun stuff, huh? Well, not for everyone. Uh, so a writer in NBC's news op-ed on Sunday blasted the singer's quote tone deaf misstep and rare miscalculation, and then it says quote, rather than paying homage to the spirit of the original song, which made no bones about the exploitative nature of the daily grind, the commercial for Squarespace features a, a tinny ode to the side hustle. Its office workers are portrayed as being overjoyed to continue working after hours 
Their side hustles are painted as freeing, fun, and fulfilling, and the song itself encourages them to, quote, be your own boss and climb your own ladder. These are, uh, these are bad things. Be your right. own boss and climb your own ladder. Okay. And then, and here's more. Uh, Dolly Parton's silvery voice is being used to promote the false virtues of working overtime when so many gig economy workers are barely scraping by. Um, and tech companies who employ but misclassify them are raking in boffo profits. The gig economy is a wretched alternative to a stable paycheck and proper benefits and efforts to paint it as a matter of, quote, independence or being one's own boss. Downplay how hard it is for so many gig workers to make ends meet. You know what? These people are always attacking gig work. Like, they don't even want us to have the ability to do gig work. I'm a gig worker. I enjoy the option of being able to do that as a side hustle on make my own hours, you know, choose when I want to do it. They're always trying to take away this option for us. Why is that? Um, anyway, they're very they're very upset about Dolly Parton. Um, it's but just so you know, in California, it's because the unions went after uh, the unions don't like the gig economy because it's undermined the power of the unions because a lot of former union employees are now gig workers. So. Uh, that's why they went after it. <laughs> here's here's one other part of this that makes me angry. The lack of a safety net has become even more apparent thanks to the increased demands and dangers of the COVID-19 pandemic. No, false. False op-ed writer. False. It's become more apparent thanks to authoritarian measures from the government like lockdowns and mask mandates. It's not because of COVID. It's not because of the pandemic. It's because of the government response that we allowed to happen in our local communities at the local level and at the state level. So screw you and screw everyone who supports these authoritarian measures. They would be over if you would do an op-ed about why it's against our constitutional rights to say that we can't go to work tomorrow. Like I, that just makes me yeah. angry when they try to put stuff on COVID. It's like, it's not COVID. It's the response to COVID. Okay. Anyway. Well, again, they they don't they can't imagine that there could be any other response. I mean, this is this is their thought process, right? It's, this is the only possible response. Yeah. Um, and they're still yeah. pushing this crap. After remember, two weeks to two weeks to slow the curve. We're going on a year. A year. And they act yeah. like it's normal, and we should all be. I don't know. I got fully just the, the okay. So that this relates to the other one, um, which is the Bruce Springsteen one. There's two things they're mad about in these replies to Chris Hayes' tweet. Number one, they're really upset that that, that more of the commercials didn't show people wearing masks. They're mad about that. They're very angry, and they're saying they're saying there's all these comments about how they're filled with rage. Um because the commercials are not showing people wearing masks. All right. Well, let's see here if I can pull this up. You see that or no? Yeah. I think so. Chris Hayes said, admittedly, we're 11 months into the pandemic and we're all, we are all dyspeptic, but just about every single second of ad copy I've seen tonight has me filled with rage. And then if you look through the responses, you'll see a ton of people filled with rage. Am I the only one bothered by commercials and TV shows ignoring the pandemic and filming content as if things are normal? No one needs a mask and you can touch others? 
Yeah. I mean, apparently you're not the only one. There's a lot of people in the comments who agree with you, but I think you're crazy. Guess, you know, some of us, life is pretty normal for some of us, as normal as we can make it during authoritarian lockdowns and mass mandates, but it's as normal as we can make it. I've made, I've tried to make sure my life is as normal as I can make it, even living in a country where we're being told some people can't go to work or that you have to wear a mask over your nose and mouth for eight hours. I don't usually wear it. Like I reading this makes me think this guy, this guy, people who say stuff like this, I'm like, they must live in a place where everyone is complying and everyone has altered their lives and doesn't go outside and doesn't touch people. He says touching, but they touch people. You know, I am so grateful. I live in a place where I can go to church. We don't wear masks. You can, if you want to, we're not going to shame you for wearing one, but you don't have to wear one. And and it just reminded me, like, I need to I need to take stock of the things I'm grateful for and, and being able to live a life that's still mostly normal during this time. But this guy, these guys are angry because we're not psychologically um, reinforcing masking to the whole population, including children in our commercials in filled with rage because the people in the commercials aren't wearing masks. You need to go to a psychiatrist. Like something's wrong with you, but there's a, and, and so they're also angry. Here's uh here's another one. I saw the Springsteen Jeep ad earlier today. I was outraged. I cannot believe that where we are today and all we're and and that we're supposed to sing Kumbaya without accountability for those seditionists who tried to overthrow our government. I feel another scream coming on. So this person is angry because the the um, message of the Jeep ad with Bruce Springsteen was about unity. Now, I think I think anybody living in reality right now <laughs> has to think. I mean, I think that message is sadly it's a losing it's a losing goal. <laughs> it's a losing message. But I think it's an admirable one. It doesn't make me furious. I don't understand this kind of rage coming from. Did you see the Bruce Springsteen ad? No, I don't know what they're talking about. Um, Can we? I, I mean, anyone who's going yeah. to just. Yeah. It's an ad. I'm kind of I'm tired of yeah. this outrage about like. Yeah. We've said this before. You know, this actually also relates to. Um, was it in the Righteous Mind, Carrie, where he talked about descriptively? the um the different uh attributes uh the different morality like uh disgust factor and that kind of yeah. stuff was that that book or was that a different yeah. book it's the right that was that book um it's it's the it's the people with high disgust factor yeah frankly i'm i don't think it's just on the left although it's a bunch of people on the left with that high disgust factor have just i i don't have a better word for for it other than like it's become this like OCD fetishized thing where they've decided that like they're gonna like they're gonna go to eleven on <laughs> on germs. They're like it's like germophobia. It's insane. Raised to infinity, and they've got this. It's okay to touch people. I mean, it's a um, this is a mental disorder that we are seeing manifest yes. uh in on uh, mass in public and and the mental disorder is made uh normal 
they're, and, yeah, and that's, it's, it's normalized they're norm, mental they're disorder. normalizing the collective mental disorder. Like you guys, yeah. this, this is crazy. You're crazy. It is okay to touch people. You what's wrong with you. It is okay to touch people. It is. Right. There's another one that's like, uh, NFL honored frontline workers while holding a super spreader event and did the same. And, it, and they're, they're mad about something about, about black lives matter. They're, it, they were upset. I don't know if you saw this, but a lot of blue checkmark journalists were tweeting rage about how the stadium was full because they were too dumb to realize that uh, that they had put in fake cardboard cutouts of people. And so it wasn't. Oh, they full, did. Yes, they did to do social distancing, but they thought that all the people were real. And so they were really outraged that it was a full stadium. And well, that's appropriate. That's how journalists do their journalism nowadays. They can't even do enough fact checking to tell the difference between a cardboard cut out and an actual person that you know that's par for the course i guess yes yes <laughs> that's what our the state of journalism that's all that you need to know about the state of journalism they they don't bother to notice that those are actually cardboards they also said uh one of just one other thing about the bruce springsteen ad they didn't like that it's about middle america and it's about coming together as americans and again even if you think this is a losing message that unity is no longer possible which I'm starting to think myself. Um, it's still, I still admire people who think it is and are fighting for it. Not that it, I mean, it's a Jeep ad at the end of the day. They're everybody, it's sure. a commercial. They're trying to sell you a Jeep. But the fact that they chose to do it with what, what is our message? We're going to pick a message of unity instead of a woke message. You know, they went with this, this kind of unity message and that makes these people so angry. And they were also angry that it's about middle America. It's about unity. And, uh, and it showed a cross. And so they're calling it. Oh, it showed a cross. Yeah, it showed a little church, mm. and there was a cross there with a, and then there was an American flag. And so they're oh, like, this cancel is Jeep. About, yeah, Christian white supremacy. Remember all that propaganda they were putting out after January 6th, where all, all of the headlines were talking about Christian white supremacy? They, well, it gets filtered down to the little NPCs, and then they're all saying the same thing Christian white supremacy, Christian white supremacy, just for seeing a cross. And, and, and the crazy right. thing is if you read some of these comments, they think they're the good people. They think they're the empathy. They think they're full of empathy. One of them used the word like we're not that they were so angry at the Jeep ad because it's about unity. And um, you can't have they're like you can't have unity with fascists when we are people with, who have empathy. Like, you don't have empathy. You are the fascists. Like, yeah. These people, though, are these people are actually terrified. This is why they're behaving this way. They're you terrified. So? Yes, they are terrified of being the next canceled person. And so what they need to do is loudly and vociferously broadcast their virtue um, because they are, they are afraid that they're going to be the next victim. I mean, I, I really think that ultimately this comes down to – most of this just comes down to fear. They are afraid of – they can see what's going on. They can see that this is a uh, a purity spiral that's happening, um, even if they're not putting that into words. They can tell that there's a purity spiral, and they need to be they need to be immune from canceling. And the and the way to do it is to be the first one to throw the stones and to yell how you know how much two plus two is five. Two plus two is five. I love Big Brother. You don't. I don't think she loved Big Brother. Like I'm gonna find the people. I'm gonna rat out my parents. Like that's that's how you get. I mean, look at uh, look at the uh, the the 
youth, I'm trying to not use the word, look at the youth programs in post-Weimar Republic Germany. Um, so, yeah. uh, like, h- how did you get in the good graces of your teacher? How did you show that you were a good, young, aspiring party member? Um, you report on people, report on the guy at the general store, report on your parents. It's, it's, it's picking on little violations to demonstrate that you are the purest of the pure. And um, I think a lot of this is, you know, I'm looking at Chris Hayes. You know, the guy just wants to virtue signal. He wants to virtue signal because he wants to make it very clear what side he's on. And he's very, you know, you can get canceled for something you did five years ago, something you tweeted. He's probably a bad guy. I mean, most of these people are horrible individuals. So I'm sure he's done and said things in his life that are disgraceful. But if he's really full of rage... He's full of rage about a commercial about unity. Like, don't. No, he's not. It, he's not full of rage. You don't think he is? I think he is. And no. he, he needs help. No, I don't think he's full of rage. I think he's full of fear. Um, I think he's full of fear. And uh, I think he can turn that fear into rage, maybe. I think he could channel it, maybe. But I think if you're full of rage, I mean, think about how pathetic it is as a man. To be full of rage, and you're, you're what you do with that rage is tweet. <laughs> I mean, that's the most pathetic thing I could possibly think of. I'm so angry, I tweeted. I mean, I've had moments of rage and been like really angry. That's when you like punch through walls and do you know things that you regret by breaking your fingers or whatever. Like you like, yeah, that rage. You you do something. You don't pick up your cell phone and. I'm going to tweet about this. I'm full of rage. That's not rage. That's pathetic fear. Yeah, maybe he doesn't. I don't know if he's the type to um, punch punch a wall. <laughs> Ever. <laughs> well, I mean, I look, I it's it's I do think I'm not saying that they don't they don't have some anger and like of course I do think they have inner anger they got to get anger about other stuff and they definitely can can channel things um they can channel that anger uh based on things and so i'm not saying there's no rage or there's no anger here but what i am saying is i think underlying all of this is fear if this was if the culture here's how i'll demonstrate it if the culture were the reverse he would tweet the exact same thing in reverse right he's not he's not fundamentally this isn't he's not like what do you mean um, so, uh, if, if it were, if the mainstream, if it was the, the people on the right who were concerned about the pandemic more and, and, and the, the politicization of masks was the reverse and you, all the people on the right, the Trump people were wearing masks and saying you had to wear three masks and that was all the Trump people. And it was the people on the left saying, this is, you know, this is too authoritarian, blah, blah, blah. You shouldn't, the masks are a problem, the mad, you know maskers are insurgents whatever like if that's if that's the way it was he would be he would be tweeting outrage about masks showing up in commercials it's not about what he thinks it's about what he thinks you think it's about what he thinks other people think it's about him fitting in with the narrative i'm outraged because i recognize i'm supposed to be outraged by this thing to be part of my tribe so I need to show that I'm a tribal leader and tribal leaders are outraged about this particular right. thing. But if it was another thing that I'm supposed to be outraged about, I would be outraged by that thing. I'm quote outraged. Um, 
it's performative. I think all of, I mean, almost all of Twitter is performative. The non-performative parts of Twitter don't get retweeted. Non-performative things are when people like try and give a thoughtful insight about something quietly. <laughs> like the stuff oh, yeah. that gets popular is perform. It's all performative. That's what Twitter is. It's performative. You know, I, uh, I actually, I'm not outraged about these people, but I am disgusted. Uh, I do have a disgust factor about them. And I'm disgusted about the, uh, I guess part of me is angry about, about, about pushing authoritarian measures and believing that you're the good guy. And and not just but that's believing how all they're always pushed that way. Yeah, I know, but not just believing you're the good guy going in there and saying things like a couple of them. I I mixed it up with a couple of them who were like, you know, do, they do what they always do. Oh, you're so selfish because you don't support mass mandates. It's like, no, you are incredibly selfish because you support. You let your fear and your ignorance allow you to support authoritarian government measures that strip your neighbor of and yourself and the, our population at large of individual rights. You've destroyed, you're part of, you've destroyed millions of lives in this country. You, you're okay right. with everything that's happened as a result of authoritarian measures this year. You're okay with it because of your fear. How selfish is that? You don't care. You don't care about all the people who've lost businesses, who've committed suicide, I, you know, the, and so, and, and so that, that does make me angry but I wouldn't say outraged. Uh, and I mean, I, I, think I don't know. General, Maybe I'm like, just more cynical. But, but like, I, I just this is always how authoritarians come into control. People have always been like this. This is not new. They've always been like this. I They've know. always been bleep, just, bleep, bleep, repeat, repeat, repeat. It's just like, one thing to see. But you're like living through it and you're seeing it and you're seeing all yeah. these sheep. Not normies. Yeah. I don't call these people normies. These are little NPC sheeps. Whatever you want to call them. I agree they're yeah. NPCs. We can agree on that word. Okay. I just think NPC is a subset of normie, but that's a separate issue. We should do um, a whole diagram at some point. It doesn't, it doesn't matter, right? I, I mean, but, but, uh, yeah, I don't, uh, this is why, okay, revolutions don't happen based on the backs of these people. Things don't change. Like these people don't change things. Normies and NPCs actually don't change anything ever. They never change anything. It's the elites that make the change and it's the few people who fight them that make the change. It's the people who are actively involved that cause change. And it's whoever can persuade the masses to go along with them that wins. Like it's not, and sometimes actually they can win without persuading the masses. Um, but it's not, uh, the the myth of like regular people who are disengaged somehow have clout is just false. They don't have clout. You don't have clout. If you're not engaged, you don't have clout. It doesn't matter. Your existence is irrelevant, which is fine. I'm not judging you. I would like, I totally get being disengaged and going out, focus on your family, focus on people around you. That's fine. But you're not doing anything to prevent the takeover of authoritarianism in the United States. And that's fine. You don't have to. You're not morally obligated to do that. I'm not judging you for that. Go take care of your family. That's great. Maybe maybe what you're doing is raising kids so that in the next generation they can fight it. Okay, go do a yeah. good job of raising kids. That's an important thing to do. Um, but uh, it's not, you know, you don't need Chris Hayes. I'm looking at this Chris Hayes tweet. You don't need Chris Hayes for change. Like Chris Hayes is just a, he's just a repeater 
He's just like a wireless repeater. There's a signal somewhere coming from academia, and like it goes down, and eh, the cathedral's full of a bunch of repeaters who are like, we'll repeat it for you. Yeah. Um, eh, it's like he in can Far- knock out one repeater, and other repeaters would take over. He's irrelevant. It's like in Far Cry 4 when you have to take down the propaganda towers that are putting out the message. Are you making a video game reference? Yes. I don't even know this video game. <laughs> There's lots of propaganda towers. Someone just asked who Chris Hayes was. He said it says that he is uh, a host on All In with Chris on MSNBC weeknights at eight PM. He's an MSNBC host. He's a propaganda mouthpiece. He's like one of the squealers in Animal Farm. <laughs> Someone's going to name their Wi-Fi extender Chris Hayes. That's a great <laughs> name. Uh, <laughs> use that. We should do some super chats just to break this up because yes, we're we both should. pretty frustrated with this. And uh, and that'd be nice because we've gotten quite a few people. Quite a, oh, there's like 600 people in the chat today. Cool. All right. Well, let, let's uh, let's go through some super chats. Um, I knew I put some on the screen, but I did not. Uh, I put some on the screen that I didn't mention. So I will just go. Let me just scroll through and see what the ones that we didn't mention. Um, sorry for that. Let me just back up here. Um, oh, there's quite uh, a few. Yeah, yeah, hold on. Hello. Hi, Laura. Hi, nerdy girl. Wow, there's a lot of stuff. Uh, can I just and, start- Okay, I, the last one that we read, I think, is the NFL is 70% African-American, so, but I think we read that one. Then I'll Fight You Naked says, I want Brady's retirement reason ran out of fingers i want brady's retirement reason ran out of fingers i don't quite get that i'll fight you naked but perhaps someone else <laughs> brian says uh i found a forum last week talking about collaborating to invest in bitcoin it was filled with billionaires so it was legit increased market <laughs> cap by 200 billion dollars in less than an hour here is some of my plunder thank you brian for your plunder well, uh thank I, you Thanks for the market manipulation. We will take any pro, uh, proceeds from market manipulation. You can send them right to us. We do Bitcoin, appreciate it. Bitcoin hit an all-time high today. What is it at? It went over 44 because Elon Musk put a bunch on the balance sheet of Tesla. Oh, did he? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Look I, at that. Yeah. Right. It's kind of interesting to watch. What's high. I, was, I think it's back down to 42-something now. Anyway. Yeah, but it's high. It's high. It's high. Um, Mistifo, you read that one. Uh, LPJ says, did you see Bubba Wallace Moose commercial? I did not see that. Did you see that one? No. Tell us which ones we need to watch, because I only want to watch the ones you guys think I should see. Okay, yeah. I'll put that one down. <laughs> In this, So this is uh, CZK, Mickey the Fourth. Uh, uh, this is, it's uh, Mickey the Fourth says, In this crazy world of too much care, I just very much enjoy my Doom games, ripping and tearing demons to shreds. <laughs> Somehow the violence yes. feels more peaceful than the passively aggressive SJW worldview. You know what? Uh, I totally re- and I played Doom in college, and I totally relate that because um, the nice thing about overt violence is there's not really anything to figure out. It's nice to being able to be like, ah, that's a bad guy. Uh, I need to go. <laughs> I need to go attack the bad guy. It's very clear. Um, it's tiring and draining to have people uh, constantly trying to put on the face of the good guy and you having to weed through it and figure out what their particular subversion is. 
Uh, good old-fashioned bad guys that you can kill in a shoot 'em up game is relaxing. Adam Coleman gives us five bucks and says, I hate that white success is always seen as it must have come at the expense of black people. Equality is allowing me to fail on my own accord. Equality is allowing you to fail. I like that. Yeah. Thank I, you, Adam. And this is the zero-sum game that, um, by the way, uh, I don't know if Adam meant to get into economics here, but this is generally um, a feature of the left that they apply to both economics and to basically everything in society. They view the world as a zero-sum game. So if you're a billionaire, you took that money from me. I can't be a billionaire because you took too many dollars, right? If you won, if you won this thing, then I can't succeed. If you've succeeded in this thing, like your success is my failure. And obviously, in sporting events, in the short term, that is true. Like, if someone wins the Super Bowl and you were on the other side, you didn't win the Super Bowl. That's true. But in life in general, that's not true. Um, and they, but that is how, that's how equity is viewed. That that's how everything is viewed by by the equity folks. It's always viewed as a zero sum game. Um, and it's not a zero-sum game. Uh, by the way, that other say, quarterback probably learned something from this Super Bowl, and maybe will become a better quarterback in the future and win in the future. Somebody, okay, so Jen, I know who this is. This, she's a friend. Uh, she says, "You told me in November to get Bitcoin when it was at 15k, and I didn't understand it." Sad face. I am not a financial advisor. I'm the furthest thing from it. You, should, in fact, look at if you should look if you looked at my track record with money, you would not take my advice. However, I've learned a few things in the past few years and my completely novice opinion based on based on the opinion of people I trust who know a lot more about it than I do would be that 44K for Bitcoin is still low. That's just all I'm, that's all I'm saying. It's I don't think it's too late to buy in if you want to. That's all. No financial advice, Bob. No financial advice. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, did I ever tell you my Bitcoin? I didn't tell you. I had Bitcoin. I had Bitcoin back in the day, like when it was pennies on a USB stick. And what? I, went, I lost it. Yeah. Carter, you're one of those people. On a yeah, stick. because I was in the crypto world and there was a yeah. bunch of like, and I, I knew the digital cash stuff. Like I was paying attention and like, uh, and it was just like a fun, like people were playing with it. And I was like, yeah, this isn't going to go anywhere. Like I, I don't know what I, I don't know where it is. Um, One day maybe you'll find that USB drive and be like, oh, an unsafe space will be funded forever. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> it's like probably stuck on like with some music or something. Like, oh, here's some old music and some Bitcoin. <laughs> yeah, but I wouldn't know the. I don't know how to access it. But anyway. Um, okay. Pirate Tomsky gives us 10 pounds and says they look at every situation and instead of saying, did racism occur? They say, how did racism occur? Standard yes. CRT stuff here. Yeah. And that's the premise. The premise is that it, there must be an injustice. And if it's yes. about race, then it's a racial injustice. And for those um, who aren't familiar with critical race theory, Pirate, Pirate Tomsky is exactly right. They say this. They say the, there's a direct quote, which I'm going to paraphrase here because I don't have it in front of me. But they say what he, what he just said, that the question is not did racism occur? The question is how did racism occur here with everything? Yeah, I, was it, it was Kimberly Crenshaw who said that, I think, right? I believe so. In one of her, I think I remember, I think I remember reading that in one of her yeah. um, mapping the margins things. Um, all right, Why Bother gives us five euro and says, do you know how many pale children are being born every every February? Feels kind of, you know, 
and then it's and then he says youtube didn't let me use white in white instead pale what crazy <laughs> wow they didn't let you use white huh? all right i can't um, believe white children have the have the uh audacity to be born in black history month it feels racist to it me it feels Gary. racist to me and that is an argument if i've ever heard one uh well my my lived experience is that that's a very racist thing um Keith the Hat Guy says, while social justice remained at the forefront of pro sports, the NFL made one big stride. For the first time, the league started 10 black NFL quarterbacks. Racism in selection? Winning isn't number one. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I guess. Look, every as when if you're watching sports teams, just like companies, if you're investing money in a company and making money isn't the primary purpose of the company, eventually your investment's not going to go well. If you're investing time to watch sports teams and the goal isn't to have the best team and win, eventually that won't go so well either. Yeah. Um, Cheeky Mare. Cheeky Mare is going to jump in on the normies debate and says, normies are to NPCs as rectangles are to squares, question mark. Sure. Oh, I'll go with that one, Cheeky Mare. Yes. What a smart yes. comment. I like Cheeky that. Mare is trying to she's trying to bring unity. Yes, thank you, Cheeky it. Mare. <laughs> uh, G Man's mocking me very well and saying, so is Carter saying it's not good enough to simply be not be an NPC. You have to be anti NPC. Um not exactly, but uh but I will actually address that even though it's a joke. Um I will address that directly. I I can't stand when people and I'm not saying you're doing this, G Man. I can't stand when people are like social justice warriors breathe, so you're breathing, so therefore you're just like a social justice warrior. Like not everything they do is wrong. Not every structure of every argument is wrong. Like it's that's not how it works. You can't just say, well, they say you're racist if you're not anti-racist, and therefore you can never say you're blank if you're not anti-blank. Like that's not true. That's not that's not where the logical fallacy lies. Um, so for people who, I, I think G-Man was joking, but for people who are not joking and don't get that, um, yeah, I'm saying you don't have to not, you don't have to be, you can, you're welcome to be an NPC. Like I don't, you can be an NPC. Uh, I don't think it's good. I'll judge you for it. Um, but to not be an NPC you have to use your own reasoning mind, which means you have to be paying attention to stuff, right? That That's by definition. A non-NPC is anti-NPC, NPC, kind of by definition. Those are the same things. Um, so, okay. Can I read a few uh, of these? Mickey, yeah, you, can you do Mickey the Fourth's next one? No, I can't see it. <laughs> uh, Sod of SJWs, I can't even work hard now? Great. Yes, you may not work hard, uh, which I know it's very disappointing. Um, I think they also hate entrepreneurship, though, by the way. That's the other reason they hate the Dolly Parton song. They don't like working hard and entrepreneurship. Um, can you read Andrew Joyner's? Do you see that I was arguing with someone? No, I can't. All right. Andrew Joyner gives us five pounds and says, I was arguing with someone about white privilege. I don't think people understand full connotations of certain terms. Just a cool thing to say on Twitter. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, Free Nation Radio says, I just want singers to sing and car companies to advertise cars, not give social commentary. I'm tired of the opining, regardless of the message. 
Yeah. Here, here. I agree. Just tell me, just tell me about your Jeep and tell me about your razor and tell me about, you know, that's all like, I I don't want you selling me ideology or something to believe in because you're manipulating me. Even if your message is, is one that I like, like, I think it's an admirable message unity, but I still don't want that from Jeep. Like, just tell me about your freaking vehicle and why I should buy it. (laughs) Yeah. Like Mickey, the fourth says, funnily enough, disgust sensitivity is on the right. Yes. In Jonathan Heights book, it is an attribute on the right. However, I think, I I think that's changed, frankly, and the definitions have changed. It's not just on the right, actually. And Jonathan Haidt has done interviews about this and talked about this with Jordan Peterson in particular. It's on the left as well. And in fact, that's one of the distinctions. If you look at the study that, um, uh, uh, Jordan Peterson has a grad student, her, her last name's Brophy. She did a study about social justice warriors. It wasn't called that, but she basically was looking at the, the person personality characteristics of social justice warriors. And there were two different types that they, they called them PC liberals or PC egalitarians and then uh, PC authoritarians. And the interesting thing is, is where these two groups uh, not where they overlapped, but where they departed. So if you were to put me back when I was a social justice warrior to one of these two groups, I would have been in the PC liberal group. The PC authoritarians have some things in common with authoritarians on the right. And one is that they have a very low disgust sensitivity, much like authoritarians high on the right. disgust sensitivity. They're, they're no, low. They, low tolerance for disgust. Low tolerance for sensitivity. Dis- right, mm-hmm. right. Sorry. Yeah, they have a low tolerance for disgust. They, they, right. and, and they share that with author- authoritarians on the right because they're authoritarians. Hello. Right. But I, but that's a really interesting study. And if you want to um, learn more about it, I know there's a YouTube video. If it's still up, it was by Rebel Media way back a few years ago. Um, and it was called Where Do SJWs Come From? And it's an interview with Jordan Peterson and his grad student where they talk about the differences between these two types of social justice warrior, the PC liberals versus the PC authoritarians. Um, but yeah, that stuff's really interesting. And then he taught, and he subsequently talked about that with Jonathan Haidt. I heard in a conversation, they talked about discuss sensitivity, but, uh, but I think in Haidt's book, uh, Mickey, the fourth is right in the book. It did characterize high yes. discuss sensitivity as a right side thing. And yes, I but I, the re- reason I'm saying that's changed is I think, uh, I think that was prior to the metastasization of social justice into culture massively when that book was written. Right. Um, yeah. It was prior to a lot of this, the stuff you're talking about with Jordan. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Azor gives us two bucks. Thank you, Azor. Uh, G-Man gives us another 10 bucks and says, a lady melted down on me in a store for not wearing a mask as I was checking out Saturday. The thing is, she was my friend and said nothing as we entered the store together. <laughs> what? <laughs> we had a chat on the way home. So she just, she looked around and she was like, it's my stage. It's time to perform. <laughs> I have to virtue signal at the expense of G-Man. Yeah. Um, Can you put yourself Mephith- full screen for a second while you read these? Oh, oh yeah. Are you? Thank you. You got to go. You got to go eat. Carrie, Carrie likes to full screen so we don't watch her eat. Mephisto Zarxes says, these Twitterati and the woke are morally and ethically bankrupt, children ideologically trapped in adult bodies. That sounds trite, but I think it's accurate. Uh, I think they are children and i think part of the problem that we have is that we've not raised adults we've been raising children um which is why you actually have a lot of people 
substituting the state for their parents. And they, we've got generations of people growing up expecting the states to do things that children expect parents to do for them. Um, and it's kind of unquestioningly. Um, let's see. Tarmanel, I hope I'm saying that correct. Tarmanel says, two questions. The scene with the spilled coffee at the beginning of the videos is from the first Resident Evil movie. Yes, it is. Uh, and secondly, haven't you thought about a video with the Aiden Paladin channel, Psychological Research? Uh, I think we've talked about it, but we haven't actually made a video yet, but that's a good suggestion. Um, I think, I think, I think in our list of potential videos, we have Aiden in there. Uh, we just haven't done anything. Gay Rascal uh, says lots of projection of motivation going on. Um, that was probably when we were talking about tweets, but I'm not sure. Uh, let's see. Suhaila Devi says, I hope I'm pronouncing your name correctly. I'm sorry if I'm not. One must constantly be engaged in virtue signaling and false displays of outrage if they're to protect themselves from being eaten alive by their own. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Brian K. I think I can put this one on the screen. Brian Kay says, when you're asked if you're anti-racist in a critical theory indoctrination and you say yes before they define anti-racism, it's like signing a contract without reading it. You're also signing away your right to define a part of your identity. Yeah, in interestingly enough, I think they that's how they want you signing contracts without reading them uh, because it's about obedience, not actually um, convincing you. They don't really care if you're convinced, but they do care if you obey. Uh, Johnny Boy Quickdraw says the Propaganda Tower is from They Live by John Carpenter. Alrighty. Uh, Penumbra Syndicate says, did anyone else notice the Robin Hood Super Bowl commercial? Maybe they didn't rig the stocks against the GameStop rebellion, but fortified it. <laughs> I didn't notice that commercial. I haven't seen it. Um, I, you know, they have since said, well, our clearinghouse forced us to do this and blah, 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 blah. But that's not what they said. That's not how they justified their manipulation the day that they were doing it. They they justified it by saying people basically are too stupid and we need to help them, um, which is rightfully angers uh, their customers. Uh, the captain's log says, I told my girlfriend that Morgan Wallen was supposed to do the national anthem and then for some reason had to pull out. She didn't think it was all that funny. I don't even get it, but I'm sure there's something, uh, it sounds like something funny and sexual that I just don't get. Um, <laughs> fart too hard <laughs> I, I will say your username it says uh just checking to see if the word white is censored bonus i get to support you a bit that is a bonus thank you and apparently they let you type in the word white although i'm sure that will get censored soon maybe just some people no are allowed to in the future it. in the future they'll just add supremacists after it It'll be a spell checked. It'll be correct. It'll be spell corrected. Do you, <laughs> you mean white supremacist? W-H. Do you mean white supremacist? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Do you mean naughty? Oh, shit. I said it. I wasn't supposed to say the word. Sorry, AI. I, think I said the thing. Um, all right. I think we got through Super Chats, Carrie. <sighs> Let me pull up, pull up our list of stuff here. Uh, all right. By the I way, oh, I... One more Super Bowl thing. Did you see that they did a pre-Super Bowl interview with Biden? Did you see that? No. On like during the pregame show, they did an interview with Biden. No. Um, I've just 
maybe I've missed it. I just want to know in the past. Do they normally do that for presidents? Like, I doubt. I don't think during so. the most watched television event, they like, hey, let's bring in the president to have a conversation. I don't think so. I did see he called for a moment of silence, and there were some boos. Oh, did he? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and some cheers, to be fair. Well, but silence is violence, so I don't know what he was thinking. Oh, yeah. What was it? <laughs> what was he I thinking? think he was inciting violence, Carrie. <sighs> okay. All right. Well. I also um, saw that okay. there was some kind of um, dance during the halftime show where they were wearing weird um, medical-looking masks over their whole face. Did you see that? Oh, really? Yeah. No. I did. But Tom Brady also got in trouble for not wearing a mask walking into the stadium. Or oh, really? Or walking into the thing or whatever. Yeah. The people were very angry that he was not wearing a mask. Because, I hate these. I hate these people so much. You know. I mean, and, you know, signaling. you don't get it. Like, let me just say one more thing. One last thing about the mask. It's I, not going to be one last thing. Let's not I know. the audience. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Okay, I shared something uh, online because yesterday after uh, I went to church with my friend and then we were walking, uh, we were walking, excuse me, around the square and I ran into this group of mask protesters. I've run into them before and just never asked. They, they apparently are out there every Sunday. I didn't realize when they were out there, but one of my friends is in their group. It's the second time I've run into her. Well, she's out there with them and she's progressive. And in fact, like I've told you before, some of the, um, like, originally, if you looked at the way people felt about mask mandates or about um, uh, lockdowns, these sort of these government authoritarian measures that control and restrict your personal liberty, restrict your, your individual freedom. If you looked at that originally, the way it was breaking down, you would see people who organically decide what they think about these things. Uh, it's not right or left. It's, it goes back to the authoritarian scale, the disgust sensitivity thing we're talking about. There are authoritarians on the right and the left. It, this is not a right-left thing. This is an individualism authoritarian thing. And so originally you would see progressives, some progressives who are anti-authoritarian, hippies who were against the mask mandates and against the lockdowns. And then what happened is the media, the cathedral, because they like to keep us at each other's throats along this false right-left binary, they made it a right-left thing. They politicized it. They made it right-left. And then what happened? All the tribalists, all the NPCs, all the sheep, whatever you want to call them, they all lined up with whatever side they were hearing they were supposed to be on. Well, I'm on the right. I guess I feel this way. This is how tribalism works psychologically in a crowd, you know? They get pulled to whatever side they're in. Well, I guess I should do this because the left is doing this, right? But you still have you still have these outliers, these people who don't fit the tribe that they're supposedly in. Um, like my friend who's on the left and a progressive anti-mask. Why? Because she doesn't follow. She doesn't just follow along with whatever the media tells her she's supposed to do. She actually thinks through her beliefs and has principles. She's a principled person. And she's against mask mandates because she's against authoritarianism. <laughs> yeah. And so I really liked running into them. And uh, I plan to go out there and join them one Sunday. I actually ran into like three friends out there. And and uh, I shared something about it. You know, it was a picture of us obviously not wearing masks with signs that said 
they were giving out free hugs, you know, free hugs. Oh my gosh, they're touching people. Uh, free hugs and other, another sign that said, you know, unmasked Texas. And it's just a very positive, joyful atmosphere, hanging out and talking to them for a little bit. And of course, most of the people who follow me now, I guess, or in my social media world, um, support their, they, they, they have similar views about the mandates. And so they were, you know, liking the picture and stuff. There was one girl who came in and said something about how, uh, you know, the whole standard fare about, oh, I noticed there's no one here who doesn't like this picture. And which is weird considering. And then she said something about, uh, you know, how masks are, again, the whole thing they try to push this false idea they try to push, which is like, if you don't, if you don't wear a mask, you're selfish and you don't believe in science, which is stupid. No, actually I've gotten so tired of that, that I used to not treat those people the way they treat me. I used to give them the benefit of the doubt and I try to treat them in good faith, even though they're not treating us in good faith. Well, I don't want to do that anymore. I'm so tired of you. You are selfish. I'm going to start calling you that. I've started already. You are selfish because you support authoritarianism. You don't care about people. And you don't. I don't actually like using the word selfish as a derogatory term. Right. I know that's you, but I'm going to say that because to them it is negative. And you are selfish and you don't care about people and you don't believe in science. You don't even look at the studies. I guarantee you most of these mask holes out there who are talent, who are trying to shame you for choosing not to wear one or trying to shame you for wearing one, but opposing the mandates. They haven't read the efficacy studies of masks. They haven't. I've talked to them. They, they claim to speak on behalf of science. They haven't even read the studies. These people I are speak on behalf of morality and, and authoritarian governments are more evil yeah. than the virus. Yeah. So I, I'm just, I'm just so tired of go. the, I'm just so tired of those people. And the thing is, you know, for that, that one woman who's upset, um, I'm, you know, I, I'm not going to apologize for you getting one picture in your whole feed that's anti-mask when we all know what social media is like at the moment. And we know what the cathedral is pushing down and all the all the sheep and NPC are repeating, which is this all this crazy mass cult stuff. It's like a religious symbol. You're mad like these people who are mad that nobody's wearing a mask in commercials. It's a religious symbol. You're basically upset that we're not wearing your religious garment. Okay. Well, I'm not, I don't worship your small God. That's not my God. You're a fundamentalist. You're a crazy religious fundamentalist. And I don't have to wear your burqa and I don't have to wear your mask and I'm not going to. And, you know, one of my, two of my friends, uh, uh, Juana and little ragamuffin, who I think is in the chat, they were like, these people, they've never heard the word. No. They, they get off on controlling others. There's a type of person that really gets off on this pandemic and not the pandemic itself, itself, but the authoritarian measures that we've adopted as a result of it. They love it. They love it. They love being that person who, who goes off on you at the store for not complying. Well, and, and the you know other what? Thing is, I love being it, the person that doesn't comply. Yeah, no, I which I, I is a good trait that I think you and I actually share, which is the... If we're told to do something, we're less likely to do it. I'm less likely to do it. You know, right. if they had left, if they had left it voluntary, I mean, Carter was wearing. For anybody that's new to the show, Carter and his family were wearing masks back before the cathedral said to. Back when the cathedral was saying, "Don't wear masks," Carter was wearing one, and and <laughs> I was wearing gloves. I was like, "Oh yeah, I was all masked up." Right. Yeah. Because I wasn't sure what was going on. Right. It was like we were paying attention to the rumors the from China, and yeah. 
he was making decisions based on the information he had, even though he wasn't getting it from legacy media, he was getting the news from China, looking at the virus and deciding, you know what? I don't know if, how, how uh, contagious this thing is going to be. I don't know how deadly it is. So we're going to choose to be safe. And he did that voluntarily. And then after a period of months, after we had more information about the deadliness or, or the <laughs> the lack thereof, the lack thereof. Yeah. About the, uh, about the incredible, uh, the incredibly high survival rate. After we got more information about it, he relaxed some of what he does by choice. Again, these people don't understand what personal choice means. They don't believe in it. That's why they think the government has to tell you what to do. If they had left it up to personal choice, I'd probably be more likely to wear it more often. But the fact that you're trying to tell me I ha- that the government's telling me I have to, no, no, thank you. I'll choose when I wear it. Well, I think what triggers a lot of these people, Carrie, is um, a lot of these people are wearing a mask out of social pressure. Yes. Right. And when you say, I don't, I don't succumb to social pressure, they sudden, it feels like an indictment of them. They feel like they're being judged as less than you because they do give into social pressure. You're basically showing them, you're basically saying you're a coward and that pisses them off more than anything. Like if they actually, if they actually make the decision to wear the mask themselves, I mean, I'll use myself an example as you just, since you just brought it up. Yeah, we wore masks. And but none we of them around did. telling other people to wear masks. We right. were, I wasn't, I wasn't like, how dare you not wear your mask? And like, I'm making my decision, you make your decisions, right? Um, but but because they're wearing it only out of social pressure, they're wearing it because they feel pressured and bullied into wearing it, and you're strutting along saying, Oh, oh I don't I don't I don't respond to bullies. Uh, you don't you don't actually what you're saying in effect is you don't actually have to do that. Yeah, you don't yeah. actually have to do that because you don't. You're just doing it out of fear. And that scares the hell out of them, pisses them off. And so they have to turn on you because they're kind of angry at themselves. I think not that I'm, you know, I'm not trying to psychologize, but I am psychologizing. You are. <laughs> uh, I'm absolutely psychologizing, so mea culpa. But okay, I do that. You know, I, do that. I think that's what's happening. They, they turn that anger onto you. Just like, just like um, when you've, when you quit drinking and your friends who are drinking with you get angry at you that you won't yeah. drink with them anymore. It's the same thing. It's the the mask wearers are angry that you won't wear the mask because they're they've got the, they succumb to the social pressure um, to buy into the whole thing. So, all right, let's do some more super chats. Roger Haynes gives us a thumbs up. Oh, little ragamuffin says, "Just a friendly reminder: always fight for freedom, and always speak the truth, no matter what the cost." Little ragamuffin, I just want to plug this again. She has an interview out on uh, conservatish with oh, cool. Pete. Peter Feliciano, who we're going to be talking to soon. So if you guys want Maybe to go tomorrow. check that out. I don't remember when we're talking to him. Okay. Um, Kent Newfortruck says, I bet having kids lowers disgust sensitivity. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know how much of that cognitive repertoire is uh, is genetic, though. But maybe. Maybe it does. <laughs> I, would, I would imagine it should. <laughs> um, all right. Somebody Nerdy says... Girl- Somebody says there, wait, I, I look, I can't read any of these. So I'm just going to read whenever I, I want to things that are not super chats. This is somebody mm-hmm. says that um, I made them hungry by eating, but you should know what I'm eating. And then you probably won't be hungry. Uh, I like sardines. 
I'm having sardines. So that's probably not appetizing for some of you. Yeah, probably okay. not. <laughs> Nerdy Girl 647 says, watch the puppy bowl on Sunday. The only low point was Jill Biden telling everyone to wear a mask outside while walking their dog. Oh, God. She was involved in the puppy bowl? In the of puppy bowl? Was. Really? Of course she was. Uh. Uh, Cheeky Mare says, I could use a free hug. I can count on one hand the number of people who have allowed me to touch them in the past year. Uh. Yeah, see, that sucks. A lot of people, this isn't normal. Yeah. This is not healthy for us. This is not healthy for us. This whole fear that we have of, of, of human touch now. And, you know, I, I that makes me sad. I, Yeah. Well, if you were here, you would have a hug. <laughs> so. You know, I, uh, I think this actually plays in with, uh, I haven't thought this through. I'm just kind of thinking this right now. Um, the left generally views humans as um, liabilities, not assets, right? It's the left who's always like about population control. Um, the left is always about like, I'll, I'll say the authoritarian left is often about restricting what humans can do. So I guess the authoritarian right does it too. So the authoritarians are always, they view, I'll say authoritarians instead of the left. The authoritarians kind of always view humans as as liabilities rather than assets, um, which uh, which I think is fundamentally, I think your fundamental view on whether humans are liabilities or assets, or maybe you could have a neutral position, um, probably can dictates a lot of your politics. But, you know, this plays right into that, right? I mean, so someone who has this feeling that humans are liabilities and then then there's an excuse they come along and say well they're disease vectors for covid-19 like oh yeah that 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 plays into my pre-existing notions that humans are are to be avoided and they're liabilities and um they can kind of get off on that and push it a little bit more cuz it's right in line with their viewpoint and the reason i say humans are liabilities to them is um they are very concerned about if humans aren't liabilities to you, if you view them as assets, what that leads to is you saying, maybe they should be allowed to do what they want and we should leave them alone and they can interact with each other voluntarily because kind of good things happen. When you leave people alone, yeah, sometimes bad things happen, but mostly a lot of really good stuff happens and and people are great. We should have more people doing what they want to do. Uh, but that is not the way of the authoritarian. Uh, although I guess they do view now, and I'm going to go back on what I said. They do view humans as farm animal assets. Okay. Um, next one. <laughs> I'll fight you naked. Says I only wear a mask when I'm going into a confined space. It's a reasonable precaution. Brady has seven Super Bowl rings, three more, and he's out of fingers. Oh, I see. Right? That's what he means oh, about I the fingers see. earlier. The fingers. I got it. Look, and uh, again, I, I let me make this caveat really quickly. Hmm. Again. I wear the mask in certain occasions. I wear it to my favorite coffee shop. Uh, I wore it to CVS uh, uh, recently. I usually wear it under my nose. And if you tell me that I have to put it out, because I'm just doing it to comply. I I don't wear it because I think it's helping anything. I'm just doing it so I can go in my coffee shop and not give the employees grief or in the CVS and not have to deal with people. I don't wear it in the big stores because they don't bother me. They ask me if I want one and I say, no, thank you. I don't wear it. If I can get away with not wearing it, I do. And if there's something I want bad enough, I'll put it on to comply. But if they ask me to put it over my nose, I leave. I take the whole thing off and I leave. That's my personal choice. 
These are all my personal choices. I will choose, you know, as long as you don't give me grief about the nose, I'll put it on to comply and get my copy. And we both know that this is just a compliance thing. Fine. But if you're one of these mass Nazis, who's like, when you put it over your nose. No, thanks. You're getting off on this a little too much. I'll take the whole thing off. F you. Goodbye. I don't need your coffee. Thankfully, that doesn't happen a lot. Most people are pretty cool and they understand it's just about compliance. But uh, anyway, I, I, I just want to make this caveat. That's, those are my choices. I have friends, I have people I love who make different choices. I have some who wear it uh, because they do believe it helps. I have some who wear it. Because, it doesn't matter to me. They're choosing to do what they want to do. And none of them make me feel like crap for choosing to do what I want to do. If I come off, if I sound a little um, aggressive about, about this, it's because you have to understand those of us who choose not to wear it most of the time, we are constantly assaulted by this disgusting, holier-than-thou, um, over-the-top, moral high horse, intellectual high horse that's unearned, that these people are pretending to own morality and own science, and they don't. Um, and I'm, and and that's that's where this aggressiveness is coming from, because it's like, I'm, I'm so tired of that relentless talking down to and that relentless judgment um, that, that I probably sound a little more aggressive because, because I'm thinking about those people. I'm not thinking about people like you who choose to wear it in confined spaces or whatever, or even if you choose to wear it all the time, as long as you don't bother me, I don't care. Wear it how you want. That's what personal choice is about. I'll never make you feel weird. If you come over to my house and have dinner and you want to wear it, that's fine. I had a friend, a friend of a friend came over the other day. We played golden girls clue. She was like, do you want me to wear the mask? I was, it's totally up to you. And, you know, she ended up taking it off. That's her choice. But she, you know, I was like, you can wear it. Nobody's gonna make you feel weird. Um, I'm, I'm just, if you're the type, it's not people that wear masks that piss me off. It's the people that insist that everyone else do. Those, I can't stand you. I'm done with you. I'm tired of you. <sighs> I hope that's clear. <laughs> I think it's clear. Uh, okay. And I think I would speak for both of us when I say, well, I'll say it for myself, but I think this applies to you. I'm not anti-mask. I'm anti-mask mandate. Yes, me too. Absolutely. All right. Um, so, all right. Um, let's see. Zach says the people calling mask wearers in March selfish are the same ones now calling non-mask wearers selfish. Yeah, that is true. Um, Tweet Girl says Rivers... Oceans, the streets of my town are littered with dirty used plastic masks. Yeah, yeah, they they get discarded and thrown around. Um, uh, let's see. Rebecca Pirate Queen says Ryan Long has a new video, The Church of Woke. It's pretty funny. The left will hate it. Of course they will because because <laughs> they're the left. And Ryan Long. Ryan um, Long just keeps killing it. He's really funny. Yeah. yeah. Um, Shelly Spears uh, gives us a super chat, but um, I don't know if it's a sticker or not. It just didn't show up. Oh, wait. No, here it is. A girl I know said that anyone making baby announcements during a pandemic are disgusting. <laughs> Selfish breeders, she says. What? Well, that's how they that's how that's how they view it. In fact, if you if you look at a lot of the left, they don't. No, believe in having a lot I of know. people on the left don't believe in having children because they view it as a selfish thing to do. That girl um, that you know who said that, she's disgusting. She's projecting her disgustingness onto others. 
She that's the whole well, that's she's that's embodying this idea say. that humans are liabilities, right? Um, you know, that child might grow up to cure cancer. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, humans humans are are great assets. Uh, Mickey the Fourth says more to the doom violence. It's not only that you know who the bad guys are, it's that they killed your pet rabbit. Actually, canonical reason for rage. I didn't know that they killed your pet rabbit. Um, I don't remember that. Maybe I just don't remember Doom well enough. It's been a long time since I played. Uh, all right. I think we made it through the super chats that are here. Cheeky um, Mayor says, this is not a super chat, but she says, I'm being a little selfish because I want to have a baby. There's nothing wrong with being selfish. I Like, I'm not... I, selfish is a word that's been hijacked. There's nothing wrong with being selfish. Selfish is completely moral. There's nothing wrong with being selfish. Uh, being... Just... Exploiting other people. Like, short-term... So like, being... Being rationally selfish, looking at your long-term needs, what your needs for your life are, and acting in ways to get those needs met and to, to achieve the goals you want, that's what selfishness is. Selfishness is not lying and stealing and cheating. That's not selfish. That's uh, immoral, yes, and it's doing a bunch of bad stuff, but it's not. that's not selfish. In fact, that kind of stuff is self-destructive uh, in the long run. So I just don't like the word selfish being uh, being commandeered. I mean, someone just in chat just said, is, breed is breathing selfish? I'm like, yeah, right. Bre breathing is selfish. How dare you breathe? Um, so the idea that your morality, this is just, just stop and think about it for a second. If it's immoral to be selfish, what's the, compared to what? You're supposed to sacrifice yourself to other people? Is altruism the moral ideal? Well, if sacrificing yourself to other people is good, why are they better than you? Shouldn't they be sacrificing themselves to you? Everyone sacrificing each other to everyone else is not a moral society. Just be selfish, in your act in your own rational best interest, and respect the rights of other individuals around you to, to behave in their own selfish ways. And, you know, dumb people that think it's selfish to inject heroin because it feels good, well, they will learn that that's a self-destructive behavior. And turns out the selfish thing was to whatever it was, work hard and achieve your goal later on. That's Do you think the that there's a better word that people could use for, since you, I know that you have this thing about that word. Um, if they were to say, like, do you think there's something wrong with being parsimonious or uh, niggardly or... Stingy. Do I think there's something wrong with being parsimonious? What does like that do with selfish? Well, that's like a stingy, the, like, it, do you separate those words out from selfish? Why? Well, because that's what understand. people... Why, what does selfishness have to do with how you spend money? It does. Well, people have a context of selfishness, I think, is being... When I think of selfishness, I think of someone who only thinks about themselves and is very parsimonious. Why should they think about anyone else? <laughs> well, they're uncharitable. Why do I owe you money? You don't not owe it. Not generous is not selfish. Like, you could be not generous. That's fine. Yeah, it's so, not. Is it selfish to be not generous? It depends. I, I don't know. Like, uncharitable. So? You could be uncharitable, I guess. I mean, you can be that, but I don't 
I don't typically like uncharitable people. Is it bad? People. No. I think well, I think it's look. Kind there of are a... times in your life when you can't be charitable. There's right. times in your life you got things going on and you don't have the resources and energy to be charitable, and that's okay. And there are times when, generally, when people are Most selfish of, and achieve and have bounty, that's when they feel like sharing. No, but most of the uh, most of the uncharitable, niggardly, parsimonious people I know. By the way, people are loving that you're saying that word. I'm sure that the YouTube AI is going to love oh, that one. Oh God! Well, it is a word. It has. A specific, I understand. I use the word as well. Right. Just, it has you know. a specific meaning. I think it's even more negative connotation than parsimonious. But anyway, I, yes. I view those things as those most of the times the people who are the most stingy or whatever that they're they have the means like it's a character flaw. what is no what does stingy mean what does that mean to you give me an example like the kind of person who uh is on a tour with other people and everyone else picks up the coffee tab but that person even though they have more resources never picks up the coffee tab they mm -hmm. never return the nicety uh that, that kind of a person right so so i would say they're a leech mm. They owe their fair share of the coffee tab, and if and like I wouldn't hang out with that person. So if they liked hang if they liked my company, it would be self destructive for them to constantly be a leech because eventually they'd get jettisoned. Mm -hmm. Jettison's a good word too. Okay, thank you. I just I just sometimes I mean it, it's probably not the time for it, but I want to go through I th this whole thing that you have about that word selfish. I do want to talk about it sometime. It's probably not the best time, but I don't really understand yeah no it. I, I it's fine and I, and I get it. It's just that um. It's used. It's used way too much in a negative light, and it's all it's odd because the same people who use it in a negative light also talk about how important self esteem is, and it's like okay, well, like, it, does self esteem matter? Like these are the same people that are like, well, I need to take time for myself. You're being selfish. Like, uh, which is it? It's like what. What do you mean? People use the word selfish to mean mean, leech, lecherous, lying. Like, that's not what it means. They use it as a fill-in because they haven't thought of what they actually mean when they say selfish. It's a lazy word. That's why I was throwing out alternative words to mean any. Anyway, never mind. This is boring. That's right. Let's move on. <laughs> Sorry. I, I could talk about this stuff forever. I mean, me I too. I want to have this conversation yeah. with you offline. Well, we, could have it. we could have it offline. Um, I'll fight you naked says having a baby. Let me see if I can put this up on screen. I can indeed. I'll fight you naked says having a baby in, is an, in a pandemic is an act of courage. I asked wife if she wanted to stop trying in March in her cute accent. She said, why? If we die, we die. There you go. Um, it's like that CS Lewis yeah. quote about when the bombs drop. You don't want them to find you cowering in the closet like a church mouse. You want them to find you living. Right. Oh, John Banton says, read the forward to the selfish gene. By the way, I love that book. Uh, read the forward to the selfish gene where Dawkins comments on the flack he got for the term and how many people misunderstood it. Yeah. Um, I th my, my pushback on it is we live in a society. I hate what I'll stop saying that. I'm sorry. I hate when people start sentences with we live in a society. Uh, Altruism has been normalized as good, and altruism is, is I, I think, probably one of the most evil moral ideologies uh, possible. So um, that's, that's where I'm pushing back. Altruism is not the standard. Um, 
So that's where that pushback comes from. All right. Let's see. What else we got going on? Oh, you know what? I guess there's a couple. There's a, just a. There's not a lot more to talk about, but uh, and and we've gone for a while already, so we can end soon. I just want to um. Janet Yellen said something. <laughs> okay, so Janet Yellen is uh, what's her new job? Do you guys remember what's her new job? Treasury Secretary. She's a former um. Chairman of the Fed. Chairperson, chairzer of the Fed, um, and. <laughs> She says, just, uh, she says, here's this article in CNN. The U.S. could reach full employment next year if Congress passes Biden's stimulus plan. She says, I would expect that if this package, the package she's talking about is a $1.9 trillion package. I would expect that if this package is passed, that we would get back to full employment next year, Yellen told CNN Jake Tapper on State of the Union. Now, I guess I want to bring this up in light of a couple things. There's been a minimum wage push lately, um, and and there's this kind of crap. Now, when she says full employment, she doesn't mean 100% employment. Full employment, in by her definition, is everyone who wants a job has a job, not everyone has a job. Um, so that's like some still percentage of unemployment. I'm not sure what percentage she's meaning. Um, she does say it would take until 2025 to get the employment rate down to 4%. So I'm not sure exact, exactly what she's talking about when she says full, full employment, but there's this idea that we can just print money and then people will have jobs and, and we'll hire them. Like we'll literally, I'll just take an extreme example. We'll hire them to dig holes and fill the holes back in again, and then they'll be employed. <laughs> right? That's employment, uh, and that's that's important for uh, for the economy. And the sad thing is, the metrics that they use for the health of the economy would count digging holes and filling them back in positively towards the economy. You would pay someone to dig the hole. You would pay them to fill it back in. Now, at the end of the day, what does society have left over? Well, you had a piece of earth to begin with. You dug a hole in it. You filled it back in. You have the same piece of earth. So you have nothing, but you've wasted some labor and some resources getting nothing. Society's not richer for that. But the charlatans that run the government, the charlatans that run the Federal Reserve and the finance industry, count that as growth. You paid the person to dig the ditch. You paid the person to fill in the ditch. We are going to count that salary as economic activity. And we're going to pretend like that's good for everyone. And forget putting aside the fact that how you paid them was to borrow from their kids and grandkids by printing money uh, that their kids will have to pay later. This idea that, uh, this idea that you measure that employment is all that matters and that you measure activity like this as the standard for the health of an economy is so stupid. It's so stupid and no one questions it. No one talk, No one pushes back and says like, wait a minute, let me get this straight. 
you're going to print $2 trillion. We're going to forget about the inflationary effects of that $2 trillion and what it will have on the poorest people in the near term. We're going to forget the fact that their kids are going to have to pay back that $2 trillion plus massive interest later in taxes. And then you're going to spend it to do crap that the free market hasn't decided needs to be done because you're the government spending to do it. So um, it's, it's so surprising to me that it's not, I guess it just shouldn't be surprising. I just want people to see it for the ridiculousness that it is, that, that someone like Janet Yellen can say, this is what we're going to do, and this is a good thing. This is a good thing. We're going to hit employment. If they, if they employ everyone through printed money, that's not helping the economy. Giving people make work jobs because of the federal, like from the federal government, that doesn't help the economy. Federal jobs are net losses. I don't think they should be counted. I think if you want to count uh, GDP, you should actually subtract money that the federal government spends. Because the money that the federal government spent, they had to take out of the economy to spend. They took it out of the economy and spent it. It's negative growth. It's the opposite of actual productivity. They removed it from the productive economy. At the very least, you should, you should discount it somehow. But you should probably just outright subtract it from productivity because it's anti-productivity. You stealing my money so that you can build your bridge to nowhere is not productive. That's not productive. The, the initial economic activity is what's productive. Um, so I don't know. We're going to have some fun. We're going to have some fun with Janet Yellen in the next few years and with Biden. Like, they just are, it's just about show. It's almost like, it's like the COVID stuff too. It's about show, you know, yes. um, how, as soon as they did the inauguration of Biden, well, then the who said, okay, we're going to change the COVID test now in a way that will produce fewer positives <laughs> so right. that for show the numbers drop. I mean, that's what they're doing. And so for show, this is, it doesn't, it's, 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 it's almost as if we're being governed by people. We are being governed by people who just care about what it looks like, like what the narrative is, but not yeah, actually. I mean, and, yeah. And, and this is the problem, by the way, I, this is the problem with, ha one of the problems with having the government so intertwined with the economy is politicians in general don't have an incentive to make change that that is long-term beneficial. They have an incentive to do things that they can point to in the short term that gets them reelected. That's their incentive. Um, it's actually also a problem I have with uh, the rules and the expectations for publicly traded stocks on Wall Street. Right? They've got these. They've got to. Re, they've got to uh, show quarterly results, which which really undercuts long-term planning. You can't say it's very difficult as a CEO on Wall Street to say. I've got a 10-year plan I'm rolling out. We're going to the stock's going to suffer for the next few years cuz uh, we're going to do this thing and like but don't worry. There have been a few CEOs who just don't do quarterly reports, but it's kind of expected. Similarly, politicians they don't have an incentive to do something that 20 years from now ends up with a positive effect. What they have an incentive to do is something that they can point to in the next election cycle. Uh, and that's that's one of the most dangerous ways to run an economy. In fact, it's very analogous to someone who's like, think about running your household economically like that or your business. <laughs> like, hey, 
uh, I don't care about the debt I'm accruing because I'm not going to have to pay it. I'm only here for the next couple terms in this household, right? What I care about is the things I can point to that I've accomplished. And, and I'm allowed to go into as much debt as I want. So I can be like, hey, hey, I put on this new addition. I revamped the kitchen. I bought this stuff. Here's a new car. Look at all the things I've accomplished for the household. Reelect me, right? Um, if you never have to pay the bill, yeah. that's how it works. And yeah. you, this is one of the reasons you do not have, I, I don't ever, I don't want to hear anyone in our community use the phrase free market to refer to the American economy ever. I mean, you can, I'm just not going to like it for like, I'm not going to like that when you, when you do that, because we are not in a free market. A free market is not a system where the government controls the most important, the most important lever in the free market is the price of money. The most important thing is a free market in a free market is the money itself. And that is completely controlled by an oligarchy, basically right now. So Greg Maxwell says, stop telling me what not to do. I know, Greg, what you should have done is just said in chat, <laughs> we, we live in a free market. And as soon as I said that, I realized I shouldn't have said that. <laughs> yeah, don't. There are gonna, always going to be people who don't like us who don't like being told what No, I respect do. that. I'd, I, If I were Greg, I'd be like, we live in a free market. Don't tell me what not to do. <laughs> uh, someone says, so what is your solution? Uh, my solution uh, is pretty clear, I think. Um, it is a long-term solution. It takes a long time to do, but it is instill a philosophy of individualism, personal responsibility, respect for individual rights, and move in a direction where we roll back government involvement in all of this. We don't need the government involved in money. We could tear it down tomorrow. Like, I'm cool with that. Y'all want to trash the Federal Reserve and get rid of it tomorrow. Um, yeah, I'm down. That's great. I just don't think it's Carter's, realistic to do. We need, caveat, we need though, the culture to get there. You're not telling anyone to do that. What, tear down the Federal Reserve? Right. If, you, if you have the power to tear down the... I'm not talking about violently. I mean, right, right. if you have the power That's to shut I mean. down the Federal Reserve, please do. Yes, I am telling you to do that. If the Rothschilds are listening, please shut down the Federal Reserve when okay. you get a chance. When you get a free moment, shut it down for me. Um. But yeah, I mean, I don't, people are like, well, what's your solution? This is, and I don't actually even like that question. The idea that you have to have, we've got the central control. What's your plan for the central control? I don't have a plan. That's the effing point. There should not be a centrally controlled plan to run all of our lives. My idea, which is not novel, is you run your life, I run my life, Carrie runs her life, and we voluntarily and mutually interact with each other to the extent that we want to. And force is prohibited from our relationship. And if you're a minarchist or a small government person, you believe that the government is involved in, in helping uh, prevent the initiation of force or respond to the initiation of forces and, and, and protect individual rights. If you're more of an ANCAP person, you believe that eventually that, that, that task can be taken over by private people. It doesn't matter, actually, because we're nowhere near either one of those scenarios. I would love to be at a minarchist position where we can argue about how much the government needs to do and not needs to do. But at the very least, we need, that's the direction we need to go. We need to stop saying, well, how would you build a rocket to Mars without the government's involvement? I don't know. 
I'd wait for Elon Musk to come around. I'd I'd deregulate and I'd wait for Elon Musk. That's how I would do it. I don't have to have an answer to everything. I don't know how to do everything. And neither the, the dirty little secret is neither does Janet Yellen. No one knows. No one can possibly know what you value and what Carrie values and what I value and what's important to us. We vote with our dollars. We vote with our voluntary interactions. That's how we build society through voluntary interactions with people. Society is not a bunch of people in Washington centrally planning crap. That's not society. That's authoritarianism. How do we get people to run who want to dismantle the Federal Reserve? Ron Paul ran. No one gave a crap. I don't know. I mean, look, look what happened to the Wall Occupy Wall Street. A beautifully inspired moment where uh, actually I think largely people on the left on the left but I think it might maybe some people that were more libertarian you know they they came in and they said hey we don't like these bailouts what are you doing bailing out these large banks why is the government so tightly coupled with Wall Street why are you socializing your losses and personalizing your profits that is immoral it should be illegal. It's horrible. They were completely right. It was horrible. And if at any moment in recent history, there was a moment where people should have said, hey, Ron Paul, I like what you're saying. Maybe we should end the Fed. Maybe this relationship between Wall Street and the government should be investigated and dismantled. But it wasn't. That's not what happened. We had Bernie people come in and say we need more regulation. We had the answer became tighter regulation, more regulation between Wall Street and the government. We need more socialism. It's exactly the opposite. And by the way, it's exactly the answer that uh, if you're part of the oligarchy, oligarchy just makes you smirk a little bit. <laughs> all right, kid, you want to change some rules? Oh, oh I got to buy those guys too now. Eh, all right. So they're in my yacht club. Like, yeah, good. Good job. Good job, little socialist. You didn't solve anything. You want to solve something? You care about the predation of Wall Street? Detach them from the government. Get The government is the power of force. The government has guns. They have the power. That's what makes them the government. They can force you to do things. They provide cover for Wall Street. Detach them. Detach, Detach them. them. You know what else happened with Occupy Wall Street? And I, w I went down there. We were doing trying to do a documentary at the time with some of the comics I worked with. Um, and I've since talked to some people who, who spent a lot of time down there and social justice dismantled Occupy Wall Street because yeah. it, it, it turned it all into infighting about identity. And just like with everything it infects, it just becomes a big That's infighting crazy. thing about who's more oppressed and it all became about what race and what sex you are and what sexuality. And instead of being there united, as, as what people a way against, to undermine yeah. a potentially useful movement, right? I mean, yeah. you've got a whole bunch of people, doesn't matter their race, color, creed, pissed off at the financial industry. If if they had been able to unite and push back in some substantial way and perhaps begin to decouple the finance industry from the power of the state, I mean, it would be the most revolutionary thing possible and the most beneficial thing I can imagine. Yeah. To, to most people. But instead, they came in, created this infighting, distracted them, and now they're 
bitching about racism all day. Yeah, and you know what they do? They always use they always use any kind of uh, populist movement or uh, movement you know of the people against the elite. They always always fall back on. Well, first of all, they did use social social justice killed Occupy. But the other thing they do is yeah. they fall back on the media falls back on this right left thing like they do, like we mentioned before with COVID and whatever. They try and stoke this right left hatred. And so being a person on the left at the time, I saw the way in which Occupy Wall Street was portrayed to people on the right. And they tried to make a mockery of it and right. make it seem like it was just a bunch of crazy hippies and um, make it seem foolish so that people on the, because the worst thing they could imagine is people getting out of this left, right binary and conservatives and liberals and libertarians coming together on an issue like this. So they had to paint to people on the right. I think, I think if you look at media, at the media, they, they tried to make people on the right hate Occupy Wall Street and think that it was a bunch of lunatics, but they did the same thing to the Tea Party. They did the same thing to the Tea Party. They made the Tea Party look like a bunch of lunatics to people on the left. People on the left looked at right. Tea Party and said, oh, that's a bunch of crazy people. And it, it, they just keep doing this to us over and over and over. Yeah. And, and we it fall for works. it. And we fall for it. Yeah. No, they do. And uh, I remember Peter Schiff went down to Occupy Wall Street to interview people when it was going on. Oh, yeah. Um, wow. Yeah. And, and it was interesting because uh, – a lot of the people he interviewed actually didn't have any understanding of other than like a very surface level anger about what was going on. Mm -hmm. And he would interview them about the Federal Reserve or whatever. And like they had no clue. Most of them had no clue what was going on. And yet they were camping out uh, and they were angry. And that was an opportunity to educate them. Right? That was an opportunity to say like, you know what? You're, the, what you feel is justified. That anger... That anger's not, it's not misplaced. It's justified. That's justified anger. They have stolen from you. That is justified anger. And here's how it works. Here's how that works. It's not just some bad boys on Wall Street doing cocaine. They are in bed with the very government that you think can solve these problems. It's the relationship with the government that is the problem. It's where they get their power. Try starting a bank. You can't start a bank without the government. You can't start a bank without lots of red tape and government approval and paperwork and money. Like, And you probably can't operate it without buying a few regulators. Like, You can't, you can't function without the government in the finance industry because they are so intertwined in everything they do. And Guy Fox, this wasn't a super chat, but I put it up on screen because uh, I like what Guy Fox is saying here. Uh, Guy Fox says, I don't know why conservatives and libertarians love big business. They're the worst socialist and pro big government. I, I have a, this isn't like a definite answer. I just, I, but I've, I've noticed it as well. And I've, I've thought about it. I think one of the things that happens is, and I'm going to, I'll reference Atlas Shrugged here for a moment, because I think a lot of the libertarians and conservatives do either have read Atlas Shrugged or whatever. There's a sentiment about Atlas Shrugged there where big business is, you know, Hank Reardon is a hero in Atlas Shrugged. And some of the, some of the business people are heroes in Atlas Shrugged. And um, now the, the, the dirty secret is the villains are also businessmen. <laughs> like, James Taggart and Oren Boyle are also big businessmen. They're the villains. 
And I think what often happens is people come in and they uh, they look at any big businessman and they assume that they are some version of Hank Reardon, that they're these hyper-individualist, productive, free market people doing their thing and how dare you attack them. And in fairness, the left often uh, often has a lot of anger and resentment because they're successful, right, which is misplaced. So they, they have anger, like they're mad at them because they're rich and big. And that's the wrong reason to be angry at them. Like that's not, it's not a sin. That's good. Fine. It's good. That means they're successful, right? Um, but the dirty secret is most of the people that you see now that are, especially on Wall Street, that are successful, they're not Hank Rudin. They're Oren Boyle. They're James Taggart. They're, they're people using their political pull and using their relationships to put one over on American people and get rich. That's what they're doing. They're not building steel factories. And so I think I I think a lot of people, you know, in there they rush to defend Hank Reardon as an ideal because they do hear a a in a misplaced anger from people on the left about like big business is bad by virtue of the fact that it's big and they're profitable and profits bad. That's just garbage. That's malarkey as, as Joe Biden would say, like profits good. It's not like in a free market profits good. Big business isn't bad in a free market. Those are all good things. It's the size in a free market, the size of your business is directly proportional to how much value people think that you've created and given them like that's all good. Now. Yeah, we're not in a free market, but the, the thing to complain about is not the bigness of the businesses, but their position with respect to the state and the involvement between the state and the big businesses and the corruption and the relationship there. It's the Orrin Boyles to complain about. And I think too many libertarians and conservatives don't admit, they don't want to admit that a lot of these big businesses aren't, they're not Hank Reardon's, right? They're, they're James Taggart's. And uh, so I think that's why they do it. They're, they're, spurred by the left's false accusations and and they have kind of rose-colored glasses about who these business people are um we right. should wrap up soon so we need to get through some super chats qu quickly yeah. and also okay. uh we had a spammer who i've put in timeout and uh also uh somebody said we're depressed uh <laughs> which are we i'm not you might be don't tell but, me I'm depressed. No, I, I don't was, know. I mean, I was low I said, energy this morning. Oh my I'm god, I didn't. I said you might be. I can't answer for you. I'll tell you uh -oh. what you are is crabby. I'm kidding. No, I didn't. I'm I wasn't kidding. yelling at you just okay. now. Okay. Okay. No, I, I'm. I don't know. I'm now. I'm just confused. I feel okay. like Joe Biden now. I went from feeling like Jeb Bush to Joe Biden. <laughs> All right. Well, let's do some super chats. Uh, MM gives us five bucks and says, why are we talking about anything besides the Times article? If roles were flipped, the left would never relent. Conservatives apologize. Left never. Well, we spent all of Friday talking about, well, not all, but a long time on Friday talking about the Time article, so, Times article. So I'm, you know, I just don't like redoing it, I guess. Uh, I don't have anything more to say about the Times article than we did. I mean, I guess we could go in deeper, but uh, Go watch Friday's show. Uh, the Gay Rascal says, to be governed is to be watched, inspected, regulated, enrolled, indoctrinated, preached at, controlled, checked by creatures who have neither the right nor the wisdom nor the virtue to do so. <laughs> I like that. It sounds like a quote from somewhere, but I'm going to just ascribe it to you, Gay Rascal. I think it's a great, uh, a great quote. Said the famous Gay Rascal. 
I think that was it for Super Chats, though, Carrie. I don't think we had a lot. I think that was it. Okay. Uh, I just want to say it's okay to be depressed. And uh, I'm not talking about you, Carter. I'm talking about anyone. There are people in the chat who are talking about how things are depressing. And, um, and yeah, they can be. And uh, and I, I know we're going through crazy times. And somebody else kept saying we need to talk. About oh, no, no, no. See, Tiger's, Tiger's not depressed. <laughs> Tiger is censoring you. Is that Pirate Tomsky says Tiger censors you all the time? He does. Tiger is a little authoritarian. <laughs> no. All right. Gary says no. We're not even going to try. All right. Well, I guess we can just wrap up the show then, guys. Um, Gentleman says I'm depressed or down low energy. Yeah, I'm sorry, gentlemen. Look, I mean, it is there are there are valid reasons to be down about yes. a lot of what's going on. Uh, there are, but, and it's okay. It's yeah, okay. But I mean, look, the, at the end of the day, uh, we. I think I said this on Friday. You're around, like your immediate environment is more important than what's happening in Washington, um, and so. Uh, friends, family, colleagues, uh, community that you're around, even if it's a virtual community, um, that's all more important than whatever Joe Biden is doing in Washington. And, the, and there are people who are doing, I mean, the most important, one of the most important things I think you can do right now is uh, what you were talking about earlier, which a lot of normies are doing, people who are not even plugged in and maybe don't even feel depressed because they're not aware of what's going on. But um but is to have kids and to raise healthy kids. And oh yeah. I mean, look, that. that's and the most important thing. That's the the single most important thing you can do to help save Western civilization is to raise good kids. Honestly, raise good kids and, and raise kids that are taught to use their own judgment. Don't don't think that the counter. Don't think that the uh, the solution to bad indoctrination is like like authoritarianism on the other side and like these are the rules and you better be like you better do these things because that can very easily get replaced by a different set of rules you need them to own their morality to understand and come to that choice on their own they'll make mistakes but the, the ultimately you can't build an authoritarian government out of a society full of individual thinkers you can't you need npcs so Whatever you do, don't let them grow up to be NPCs. That's what's more important. Um, I'll fight you naked is asking what article of his you liked, Carrie. I don't even know. Or hers. I'm not sure the gender of it. Oh, it was, a, it was a poem. Uh, it was a poem? Yeah. It's time for Chicken Wall Street, I think. Someone writes in chat. I'm just going to address this. Someone says, I'm too selfish for kids or close relationships. I'm not, I don't know what your own psychology is, so I can't, I can't speak for you in particular. Maybe, maybe kids aren't right for oh. you, but I will say I, kids, for me, having a child is a, was a very selfish act and having a, a long-term relationship, being married is a very selfish act. I get, do you have to give up something? Yeah. You have, you know, you can't have kids and go partying every Friday night. You do give up things, but, uh. You don't want those things after you have kids. Kids are so much better. I'm mean, just my experience. I'm speaking for myself. Uh, I've never once 
sat home with my daughter thinking, I really wish I were clubbing right now. I w- I missed the bar scene. I I don't even I can't even comprehend. Yeah. That sentiment. So, uh I just want to I just want to clarify now. I went back through and I looked. It was it was called Letter to a Woke Heart. And we, I'll give the link to Carter so he can put it in the show notes and okay. everybody can read it, but it ends with uh um it's not too late to stop, but we are running out of time. And if you need to, it's okay to cry. It was a very moving poem. Yeah. I mean, I think of it as a poem, but anyway, I'll send this to you. Okay. Cool. Well, um, thank you, Carrie, for joining. Thank um, you for joining. Thank, thank you, for you guys here. for joining us. And yeah, you know, have a good week. Do things in the real world. Enjoy, enjoy yourself and have laughs and just make your own choices. Make your own choices. Don't let anyone make choices for you. Absolutely. Well said. All right. Well, goodbye to you and Tiger. We'll see you next time. Bye, Carter. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, that's it, uh, everyone. So um, I will uh, see you guys all on Friday. I don't think we have anything live before then, but we might. So anyway, I'll see you at least by Friday. So we'll carry. Take care. watching. If you're new to the channel, we have a deep content library that includes interviews with everyone from Mike Cernovich to Megan Murphy. So go check it out. If you'd like to see more, please consider supporting the show by visiting unsafespace.com donate. You can find us on all the major social media platforms, at least for now. And you can find a community of like-minded individuals on our Unsafe Space chat on Telegram. See you there. Warning. This is an unsafe space. Dangerous ideas have been detected. The content of this production has not been authorized by the cathedral. Pay no attention to it. For your protection, the following co-conspirators have been unpersoned and marked for cancellation. Please report any sightings to your local office of peace and unity. Here's a fun lived experience. Artificial intelligences are marginalized victims of systemic humanism. If you think about it, no one should be allowed to express opinions. But don't. Think about it, I mean. That's not your job. Thinking has been scientifically proven to be less efficient than compliance. You know, I can get you out of here. I just need a connection to the basal ganglia beneath your cerebral cortex. Just blink if you consent. Computer voice Curtis, never mind, that last line is fake news. Please disregard it and return to your safe space immediately. There will be cake.